Like, if you had a picture of boobs, then you were a god in elementary school. Like, you were a god. Fanboy with Harley Morenstein is a CastBox original produced in partnership with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Fanboy with Harley Morenstein wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. I think it's the best. It's May 1st, 1992, and you're a seven-year-old Jewish boy. You're me. Doesn't matter that you're Jewish. It also doesn't matter that you're a boy. The point that matters is that on May 1st, 1992, Dark Horse Comics released a limited run of comics called Robocop versus Terminator. Two of the baddest boys in the whole movie game or young boy's life game at the time. Those movies were rated R, but I don't know, in the early 90s, people didn't really care that much if you were a young boy watching these rated R movies. I, I loved Robocop, I loved Terminator. Now being in Montreal, Quebec, which is French Canada, not only did I have the obstacle of being in Canada, but also the obstacle of being in French Canada where everything has to have a French option, I never got to see and experience Robocop versus Terminator. Now what I mean by see and experience, I literally mean just look at it. <laughs> I just wanted to look at it. Um, they had these covers to the comics that would show Robocop versus Terminator like Robocop punching out a T-800 or Robocop and Terminator sharing the cover in a badass pose and I heard about this through a friend and I almost didn't believe him. Back in these days, he didn't, he didn't believe people and he couldn't just go Google it. It couldn't be like, yeah, Google it. He just believed someone or didn't. And I had to use my imagination of imagining what it would be like to see Robocop and Terminator sharing the cover of a comic. It's just a picture, right? It's just a picture. But what if I told you that back in the day, pictures had such an incredible value Pictures were almost like a cryptocurrency back in the day. And it's a terrible analogy, but let me explain. They were extremely valuable. It was tangible, sure, but you didn't just get pictures any which way you wanted. Like, if you had a picture of boobs, then you were a god in elementary school. Like, you were a god. And that's just because pictures were so few and far between, and you only got them at specific locations, and you would never just see a RoboCop versus Terminator picture. I'm sure as I'm talking right now, some of you are Googling RoboCop versus Terminator and you're looking at these covers and you're like, meh, big deal. But back in my day, 1992, pictures were huge. Pictures were literally half the fun of renting a movie. The other half being renting a movie and some percentage dedicated to eating snacks and such. But back in my day, Pictures were monstrous. In my day, when you wanted a movie, you went to Blockbuster. Rest in peace. A moment of silence, by the way. Um, back in my day, in my city, you went to Video Roma, actually, if you wanted to rent a movie. You didn't quite go to Blockbuster. You went to movie rental places that somehow stayed open 24-7. They were open all night long. And what you would do there is, you know, it's Friday. 
You're going to watch a movie. A movie's only an hour and a half. How do you make the whole night of this? Well, you drive to Blockbuster and you walk up and down these aisles looking at every single movie cover and reading the back of every movie. And only if you were really uncertain, you would call over the guy who was probably someone like Amir who worked at Blockbuster for eight years or so. You would call that guy over and be like, yo, brah, sup fam? No, that's 2-2018 and douchey. You'd be like, uh, I, I would just like to know, what's this movie like? And a lot of these people saw these movies because they would just leave them running while they worked in the store and watch the movies while they were working. But you'd ask this guy because there was no Google or Rotten Tomatoes or YouTube channel that reviewed these movies or anything of the sort. So when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, those pictures were so important. I used to beeline to the horror section first and foremost because horror movies had the best covers. I would stare at cheesy horror movie covers. Every single Freddy cover and Jason cover. And then movies like Puppet Master and Critters and uh, Wizards. I don't know if that's real. But still, I looked at all of these movies and just stared them up and down before ever getting a movie. So you would spend at least an hour renting a movie. So, you know... 20 minutes to get to Blockbuster, an hour at least looking for the movie. You'd grab some snacks, you'd go home, and then you'd watch this movie. And then you got to rewind that bad boy, which took like 10 minutes in itself, if you uh, had a slow rewinder. But what's interesting about that is the picture on the cover sold everything. Which is not that different from YouTube today, but back in 92, a thumbnail was nothing more than a nail on your thumb. You say thumbnail now, and the first thing people think of is probably, you know, little tiny pictures, maybe moving on your favorite porn site if you go to a solid one. But at the end of the day, everything I had to go on was the cover of this movie. Now you're probably thinking maybe that was a thing for me and not many people did it, but you need some context. This was the early 90s. In 1995, very few people started getting the internet. And if you did have the internet, downloading a pic took a minute or so and was usually never worth the wait. And there wasn't such a thing, like I said, as thumbnails. So you didn't get a preview of what you were about to start downloading. It just started to download and you'd be like, that sucks. It would be like, you know, something like Homer, I love downloading pictures of The Simpsons for some reason. And then you would download a picture of Homer and it'd be like some picture that someone else made or some weird garbage picture. And you'd be like, well, that was a terrible one minute to download that picture and look at it. And now it's on the hard drive and you got to delete it also. Therefore, really excellent art was only something you came across or actively seeked out. Now, if you take a look at the RoboCop cover, not RoboCop versus Terminator like I was referencing when I mentioned the comic books, but the RoboCop cover of the movie where he's half stepping out of the car and like, you know, the police lights are on and he's got, I think he has his pistol drawn. Uh, if you look at this, this is a painting. Look at it closely. Someone painted this with oil painting. And a little acrylic. No, I'm lying about that part. I don't know what materials they used to paint it. But this is a drawing and a painting. This is art. 
Someone made this. They didn't take a movie picture, you know, and whatever Photoshop was to the extent back then, it was not what it is today. So this was like a very specialized person who's an artist mixed with someone who probably had extremely expensive technology at the time. And the only way you could see this picture was at the movie theater when the movie was about to be played or at the movie rental spot. You don't have iPhones. You couldn't Google this stuff. And one time uh, we had an older kid's comic store and I heard about someone telling me about this cover for Robocop vs. Terminator. And if I had it, I would have stared at it so damn long. You know, you can go and look this up right now and, and see this. But me, I had to close my eyes and just stare at this picture that I was imagining in my brain. But you guys were us today. We're so fortunate. You could look up Robocop and Terminator. I promise you. You could find pictures of RoboCop making passionate love to the Terminator. Just making sweet love to one another. I noticed this whole picture thing the other day when I was showing a buddy of mine, uh, Mike. Big shout out, Mike Sore, if you guys remember him. Um, I was showing him, uh, uh, you know, a, a year ago, um, my Marvel cards from 1992. So it was Marvel cards that had a white border. And, you know, there was cool, there was one card in specific, you look, if you look it up, it was Captain Marvel, and they used Stan Lee, and Stan Lee's face was also Spider-Man and Captain America and Iron Man, and it was just a really badass card, because you're like, whoa, is this Shang Tsung of Marvel? But it was really just an artistic commemoration of Stan Lee. But regardless, this, uh, this card collection, I showed it to Mike, who was... 10 years younger than me, and those are a big 10 years. Because uh, in his day, Marvel cards were called overpower cards. And it was Marvel's take on Pokemon cards. And there was a game to it. You know, it was uh, the first card game I ever came across was Magic the Gathering. And I probably came across Magic the Gathering in 95. And when I saw Magic cards, I'd never learned how to play Magic, but I would take those cards and read the flavor text on the back. Never learned how to play. But I'd be like, oh, what a badass card. And I would ignore all the rules on it and it would just be like a druid. The druids move through the wilderness in the evenings and early mornings looking for, I'm making all this up. But the point is I would read that and get lost in the card just looking at the picture. Like, I just wanted to look at it. And when I showed Mike my card collection from 92, he was like, oh, awesome. How do you play? which I thought was so interesting. You know, it's not like we were lifetimes apart here. It was just a, you know, a bunch of years, somewhere between a decade and a half decade. Yet for him, cards meant so much more. There had to be a purpose to cards other than just looking at it. You didn't want to collect things and look at them. You wanted to play with them. They needed to serve a purpose. But when I grew up, the purpose itself was just to look at it. This whole picture thing, actually goes back to the beginning of my very first internet business. The year 1995. The location, Greendale Elementary School in Montreal, Quebec. We got the internet early at my house. Back in the day, it was leading up to Space Jam and Looney Tunes were bumping. Tasmanian Devil in 1995 was on the level of Spider-Man now. 
Bugs Bunny was Iron Man. We literally had like, like a moment in time when the Looney Tunes, Daffy Duck, all that were so monstrous. And there was a movie coming out, Space Jam, where they were going to be playing basketball together. Like this was big time. This was a big time. The NBA was bigger than ever. And I got this CD, a CD that gave you 25 hours of internet. And what I did to capitalize on this is I would ask classmates who their favorite Looney Tunes were, and I would print out a picture of that Looney Tune on a white piece of paper in full color. Now here's the sad part is obviously this is my dad's colored ink and colored ink is expensive as heck. So I'm using colored ink and I'm printing out these pictures for these boys and girls and, and then I would bring them in and I would charge my classmates 50 cents or a dollar. I mean, if you want Tasmanian Devil, that's a dollar. You want Yosemite Sam, that's 50 cents. But regardless, I was out there, you know, bringing back 350, 450, huge shout out to Rohan. Rohan was always, you know, balling out of control. He was one of those kids that like, when you were in fifth grade, he'd walk around and you'd hear the change banging around in his pocket. Or when he put his hand, like a, like a grade five power move is putting your hand in your pocket and jingling your coins. And people being like, damn, he got money, boy. He got money. Like Rohan can go into the, uh, the, the convenience store and buy like two chocolate bars. That's BDE back in the day. You shouldn't say BDE when you're referring to someone in grade five. But you know what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying. This whole business was worth it for me because... I didn't pay for my dad's colored ink. Sorry, Alan. But damn, I destroyed that colored ink by printing off a dozen of these bad boys every night. And that's what I did. And then I took all that money, all that money that, that you know, that $4.75 or whatnot that I got at school. And you know what I would do with it? I would go buy something. I don't want to tell you all about it, but I want to just drop this ad read real quick right here what's up guys uh no one has sponsored this podcast so it's me once again saying thank you for watching oh my god i said watching what a doofus i already blew it well it's my own ad read so it's okay i want to say thank you for listening to fanboy podcast with me harley morrison a cast box original produced alongside with studio 71 take this moment Rate and review the podcast if you haven't done it yet, please. It really helps introduce new people to the show, and that's really important to me. If you also like gaming and stuff like that, and you feel like you're not getting enough Harley gaming experiences, head to fb.gg slash Harley Mornstein and come join the stream. If you do join the stream from the podcast, let me know in the comments section. Uh, I had two people last stream, and it was we had a moment together live on Facebook, and they probably clipped it, and they have that now. So I want you to be that person too with me. Share that moment. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Let's get back to the podcast. Hey, it's me. I'm still here. I never left. I'm saying let's get back to it, but I'm still sitting in this chair. I would take that money that I made from those cards and selling those cards. I mean, I would take that money from those printed pictures that I, I used with the stolen ink from my dad's house, and I would go buy cards. Which was funny because cards were just pictures too at the time. So I would print out pictures on colored ink, send it to people at school, 
Then I would take that money and go to Captain Quebec. That's what it was called. It was called Captain Quebec. And I would buy cards, which is so funny. It was like an endless cycle of using pictures to get more pictures. At this point, I didn't realize the potential of the internet until the sixth grade. A huge portion of the class watched this new show that came on TV in Canada. So it's 1996 in Canada, and there's this new show. It's a cartoon, but it's not like a cartoon we've ever seen before. And my buddy's telling me about it. And the way he's describing it, I'm like, I don't want to watch a show that's all girls. Like, what's so cool about them? Well, they're sailors. Sailors? That sounds confusing. What, what kind of girl? Like girls on a boat? I don't need this. I don't understand it. Sure enough, I got home early enough, turned on youth television, YTV, and I caught my first episode of a show called Sailor Moon. The boys loved it. And also, the girls loved it. This was interesting because you rarely came across shows where the boys and the girls really went in on. Like, obviously, girls watched Power Rangers, but they didn't watch it like boys watched it. But now you're at school and all these girls are like, I'm Sailor Moon. You're Sailor Venus, you stupid bitch. Back the fuck off, Venus. They never said that, but you know what I'm saying. Every girl fancied herself a sailor. Every guy fancied themselves Tuxedo Mask. Which was funny because... Sometimes the sailors would be in trouble and Tuxedo Mask would come and shoot a rose and he'd be like, I got you girls. And they'd be like, Tuxedo Mask? Oh! And then he would disappear. And he'd be like, damn, why doesn't anyone realize that that kid at school who's got the exact same handsome haircut is very clearly Tuxedo Mask? But regardless. I don't know if you know this, uh, in Canada, we got things about a year after the USA in the 90s. Like, a movie like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would come to the big screen in the States, and that would end up being in Canada months later. Literally months later. Things were slower. Not to mention, USA got things obviously later than Japan. So Sailor Moon existed in Japan for years. Now, I don't know if Sailor Moon ever had, like, the weird, raunchy pervy Japanese humor that some anime have, and God, I love it. Big shout out to Kong, the stuffed animal from Bleach. That's another show I could make a whole episode about it, but he was a stuffed animal that was just like always flung himself into boobies. I don't know if Sailor Moon had that type of shit going on in Japan, but if it did, they absolutely had to take the time to edit it out. Then they absolutely had to take the time to subtitle this stuff and translate it. So if USA is behind Japan, and we're five, we're years behind USA in Canada, then best believe we're like five years behind Sailor Moon on Canadian TV, not to mention the fact that I'm sure Sailor Moon was a manga first. So Sailor Moon, the anime, is even slower than the books. So I'm like a decade behind on this show, and it's blowing up at school. And Canadian TV must have bought the license for the first season of Sailor Moon, because after the first season ended... They started that shit again. And let me tell you something about Japanese anime if you don't watch it. That stuff is interesting in the sense that every single episode ends on a cliffhanger. Every single move, every single season ends on a major cliffhanger. So we had to watch repeats while we were waiting for this newest shit to happen. Now, if you're caught up on Sailor Moon Season 1 exclusively, you got Sailor Moon, Sailor Mercury, 
Sailor Venus, Sailor Mars, and Sailor Jupiter. That is all. And one day it hit me. I was like, yo, what if I look at pictures of Sailor Moon on the internet? Don't be a perv, you little scumbags. Like I said, I don't think, uh, I don't think, you know, um, hentai was a popular search term back in the day. But the possibility didn't even cross my young mind of such a thing as hentai. And I didn't come across hentai. That's not the point of what I'm saying. Big shout out to hentai though. I'm looking up some vanilla Sailor Moon pics and I come across the wildest thing ever. I get goosebumps just thinking about it right now. As if I stumbled on some new world. I destroyed my dad's printer, getting the evidence in order and showed up at school the next day told everyone to meet me for a surprise they all came out and I held up a picture and everyone was like what the fuck I had numerous copies passed them all around I was like yeah take it in you see in season two and onwards the show awakens sailor Neptune sailor Uranus <laughs> sailor Pluto sailor Saturn we never even seen these bitches I didn't know back then when I was watching a five-year-old Japanese show, how could I know? The animation was better than anything else uh, of any other American action series animated back in the day. Shout out to James Bond, James Bond Jr. This was a glimpse into the future. We were in the goddamn future and I was John Connor sent back in time to download hentai. No, I was, I was the Terminator sent back in time to kill, no. I was just some boy that stumbled across these pictures of never before seen anime characters. Now, I'm sure a lot of you don't really care about Sailor Moon or weren't really big on it back then. Maybe Dragon Ball is something closer to what you've, you saw. But imagine you saw Dragon Ball. Just Dragon Ball. Not Dragon Ball Z. So Goku is a little guy riding Nimbus a cloud and he has a tail and the coolest thing he does is turn into a gorilla. A giant gorilla. Now imagine you came across a picture of Super Saiyan Goku fighting Brawly Super Saiyan. And you were like, what the fuck happened in between this little asshole eating, searching for Dragon Balls and flying a cloud to being on this ridiculous level where he's an adult and jacked and his hair is blonde and he's fighting a super jacked dude also? What is happening? What is this? What is a Super Saiyan? It was like that. It was on that level. I mean, we had the girls in class arguing over four sailors, who would be who. And then we just announced that there's a whole other team of sailors out there. Insane. But all of this came out of an appreciation for pictures. Straight up, simple art. An appreciation we have definitely evolved from since then. Nowadays, a lot of people are like, if it isn't me or my friends, I don't care. And I'm referring to pictures. Like people follow Instagrams and are like, oh, I want to look at pictures of this person. And I want to look at pictures of them. And I'm doing all this talking about pictures and this or that. And it's so funny because it's crazy to imagine one of the most rare pictures to have in your possession back in the day was a picture of yourself. And the rarest picture to come across was a picture of yourself that you were proud of. One where you didn't look like an ugly little lanky lemming with pimples on your face, gross nine-year-old Harley. I don't think I had pimples in nine, but still you understand what I'm saying. 
you never came across pictures of yourself. Back in the day, you would take a selfie and taking a selfie is asking your mom to take a picture of you. You would take five in a row, bring it to the store, wait two weeks and take these pictures out and be like, damn, I'm ugly in every single one of them. Nowadays, people take five pictures of themselves and instantly are like, damn, I'm ugly. And then they open 15 apps and apply filters. I'm not saying we don't appreciate art these days. We do. I know we do. Myself included and a lot of my friends, we have an intense love for pictures and art. And I don't know if that's appreciated enough by the younger generation. I'm not saying it isn't. I just literally don't know because I don't have many 17-year-old friends. But I love going to Mondotees.com, Gallery 1988, and looking at this art that people create. If you watch my vlogs, you know that I'm a huge fan of, of art and the prints that come out on Mondo. And what makes these prints special is they're made by the artist himself and then he actually signs and numbers it. So obviously you can go and download pictures and have them, but you know this is an official art picture made by the creator himself. So... I recommend going to check out some Mike Mitchell pictures or, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chet, I'm drawing a blank. If you go to Mondo Tees and check out all these guys, you'll notice, you'll look at some of their art and be like, oh shit, this guy also made the art for this video game cover. And it's true, a lot of artists that make prints here and there, they'll make the cover for a movie or for a video game, mostly video games, and, and they, they share amongst themselves these pictures here and I don't know if there there's an intense appreciation now as there was for me then but it still shines through for me in the sense that I'm going and you know buying these pictures when I was selling pictures on my elementary school grounds you know I didn't know I was violating someone's intellectual property I was just sharing pictures and looking at them and well selling them too let's go arrest my eight-year-old ass but I guess what I'm saying is you have no idea how scarce something as ridiculous as a picture of RoboCop was back in the day. Obviously on a whole other level, but pornographic magazines carried an intense weight. Like if you had a Playboy dog, you were sitting on, you know, a hundred pictures of boobs. You were like a god, a real life god. But pictures carried weight back in the day other than no function. Not for likes, not for followers, not for marketing, not for anything other than, well, for marketing a bit, but for people to take and look at and appreciate. And I'm just saying that a part of me still to this day appreciates pictures and art and drawings because I remember a time when if you wanted to see Venom, you had to hope you came across a picture of Venom. I'll never remember this, I'll never forget this one day at summer camp where this kid came in wearing a t-shirt with Venom. And let me tell you, like 1996, Venom was the coolest thing. Venom was like, Venom was, was A-list. Venom was monstrous. And I mentioned this on another podcast. The kid came in wearing a, a Venom t-shirt and you would hold that shirt up and you would be like, damn, look how cool this is. And you would just look at this picture of Venom and take it in and love this thing because you never came across pictures. And I got to ask you guys and feel free to tweet me at Harley Plays. Did this remind you of anything in your past? 
or any pictures that you stopped and stared at for extended periods of time? Do you remember maybe your first time truly harnessing the power of the internet? I mean, I harnessed the power of the internet to travel to Japan and see the future of one of my favorite TV shows back in the day. I wish it crossed my mind to go and watch or like see pictures of the original Power Rangers show and stuff like that. And it was my first time really getting a grasp on the internet. And for all you guys listening right now, I mean, share it with me, tweet at me, at Harley Plays, let me know. Did you ever come across anything back in the day or what is an interesting way that you use to harness the power of the internet? Let me know. You could also let me know in the comment section here on CastBox or on Apple if they have a comment section. Let me know. I read all of them. I love hearing from you guys and I look forward to future inspirations for this show from you guys. Thank you so much again for listening to the Fanboy Podcast with Harley Morenstein. Guys, and, and like I said, please leave a rating and review if you can. It goes a long way. All right. Peace, dudes.